again. Welcome back to the Friday Five here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, with this week's list of five things that you need to know about. Coming in at number one this week, the post office has delayed plans to make any changes that might delay or disrupt service in advance of November's election. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy came under fire after announcing cost-cutting measures that would cause a delay in United States Postal Service deliveries. Obviously, during a pandemic election cycle where many are expected to vote via mail-in options, that is not news that's met with approval on either side of the spectrum. But don't forget, There's a lot more at stake than just mail-in ballots when it comes to our industry and USPS. Direct mail materials are some of the most widely used marketing resources for insurance agents, and that's not just during annual enrollment. Think of all the turning 65 mailers and educational information sent out when beneficiaries are entering their initial election period. Beyond that, there's the mailing of health insurance policy information, membership cards, billing statements, and even prescription deliveries. Needless to say, changes to how USPS does their job could very well affect us all, so we will be keeping an eye on this story to see what happens after the election this fall. Number two, as we navigate the pandemic, rules and policies seem to be in a constant state of flux. And of course, that includes underwriting. How does underwriting work now that we're in a pandemic? There are a few considerations that you might need to think about. For example, the elephant in the room, what if your client has had COVID-19? What if they've got some of the risk factors? How does their age play into the decision? ThinkAdvisor has a great article that takes a look at these changing guidelines, so definitely check that out if you're selling life insurance these days. There is a silver lining here, though. According to the article, several carriers have expanded their accelerated underwriting programs as well. Number three. The Kauffman Family Foundation recently reported on data collected from the Census Bureau on food insecurity and Medicaid eligibility. 20% of Medicaid adults surveyed reported food insufficiency. Even more troubling, only 47% of Medicaid beneficiaries were also enrolled in SNAP or the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program in 2018. The global COVID-19 pandemic has not helped the situation at all. According to the report, in mid-July of this year, half of the Medicaid adults reporting food insecurity were not sure how they would afford the food they needed in the coming month. Medicaid eligibles and their children are typically also eligible for SNAP and WIC benefits, The criteria has a lot to do with income versus the federal poverty level. Unfortunately, individuals might either not know about these programs or are hesitant to use them because of the stigma attached to doing so. It's worth taking a look at the study and remembering that as you're taking the advisor approach that we've mentioned and the whole person approach, 
Going over some of these programs with your Medicaid-eligible clients can go a long way toward building a relationship of trust. Number four, as the days tick by that we've been dealing with this pandemic, we're getting more and more hopeful news from the scientists and researchers who are working to analyze data, find new treatment options, and create a vaccine. On Monday this week, a group of researchers, in particular from the University of Southern California, have analyzed reported symptoms associated with COVID-19, and they have a tentative order in which these symptoms appear. The order, and again, this is a most likely situation, fever followed by a cough and aches and pains, and sometimes those symptoms go in order, other times they appear simultaneously. After that, nausea and or vomiting, and then diarrhea. Again, I want to specify this is a likely order of symptoms that was pulled from data on over 55,000 coronavirus cases from China. That's a decent amount of data to parse through. It certainly does not discount other symptoms, and of course, many carriers of the disease can still be completely asymptomatic, but it's a start. Number five, just a quick reminder, there is still time to sign up for Ritter's virtual summit presentations. Each presentation is geared toward a specific market, and we are highlighting nine different areas this year, more than we have ever done. Next week, it's New Jersey, New York City, Philadelphia, and Harrisburg. After that, we'll move to Georgia, Greater New York, Maryland, California, and Florida. During these presentations, you'll hear from our president, Craig Ritter, and representatives from top insurance carriers. They will be presenting Medicare Advantage first looks as well as new product information, so it's a great way to kickstart your AEP and start thinking about who you want to contract with this year. Our summit presentations are completely free to attend, but you do have to be an insurance agent in order to attend. To check the dates and register for these events, simply click on the link in our episode notes or visit summits.ritter.com to get more information. That is summits.ritter.com. Check it out. Get registered today. Now for this week's bonus. Back-to-school season is officially here, although depending on the state you live in, school might already be back in session. Whether it's your first, first day of school, or if you're a returning parent, I found a great list of back-to-school discounts that can help with those associated costs. There are deals for all ages, and depending on if you're sending kids back for in-person learning, keeping them home, or doing a mix of the two— There's definitely a deal in here for you. One of the things mentioned in this list, if your child has a student ID, make sure you take it along when you shop because that is the way that many retailers validate the discount. Also, don't count out places like Target, Walmart, Amazon, or even TJ Maxx for kids' clothes that are already discounted. Then when your kid grows out of something after only wearing it one time, it won't be quite as painful. 
And another piece of advice from a parent to other parents, I would advise double-checking student handbooks to make sure what was allowed last year is still allowed this year. There are a lot of new rules and policies, so just give those an extra check to make sure you're not buying something your child won't end up being able to use. This summer, my daughter was not allowed to take a lunchbox. Everything had to be disposable, so we switched to brown bags with a note inside. Simple enough. And if you're wondering, have I finished my back-to-school shopping? The answer is no. There's always a few more little odds and ends to grab. I would say I'm about 75% of the way there at this point. So if you're not finished yet, you're in good company. We can hang out together in the procrastination station. That does it for this week's episode. As you're heading out to enjoy this weekend, stay healthy, stay safe. I hope you have a great one, and we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel, script editing by Nicole Perisic, artwork by Nick Smith. Oh,